Amen. All right. Um, praise God for this morning. This morning's presentations. Um, they were a blessing um, to hear the things that that um, our brother Romario and Rashad, um the Lord showed him and opened up and brought to us. Those are some really nice thoughts. And we're gonna for the probably for a while we're gonna be. I mean, probably the whole entire time we're gonna always be teaching that the 2300 days. Um, and there's a lot more the Lord wants us to understand. There's some other things that we want to bring out, and I won't touch on the other one right now. But to keep it very simple, um, this, the notes here is really going over a rule that, that Rashad touched on, Romero touched on, or Rashad touched on it a lot greatly, um, the, the spiritual nature. Um, we said that we, I know by faith that God is teaching us. You know, by faith, I know he's teaching us. And this is what Paul says. We're not to be ashamed of saying God is teaching us. For he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. And Jesus says in Matthew 16 about the same righteousness Paul's talking about, flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father in heaven has revealed it. So to have the righteousness of God revealed has to be from heaven. So when the Lord is teaching us, we know heaven is teaching us. Flesh and blood is not showing us these things. And when we say we found the Messiah, what, what we understand this to mean, you have the 2300, you have the 490 as, I'm just going to erase this for right now, as Saul, the beginning of Ramirez's presentation when they asked, true Saul as a king. I'm going to just make this 27 AD. I could have left Saul there too. Because at 27 AD, the Jews were to choose Christ as their king. Because the father says, this is my son in whom I well please. And Psalms 2 says the son is the prince. So the father is saying, this is my prince in whom I have appointed to be king of this earth. Choose him, hear ye him. That's what the father was saying in 27 AD. But the Jews came to 31 AD showing their rejection of the witness of the father and saying, this is my son. They said, no, we choose Barabbas. Yes, you, yeah, you gave Christ, but we choose Barabbas. And we choose Caesar. And that's what they did. And they ended that work. And then you come down to 34 AD, where as a nation, they, they finished it. But I just wanted to show something. Christ came and did a natural work. And the disciples after the cross, they did a spiritual work. So the Jews rejected Christ both naturally and spiritually. That's what they did. So it's a natural and spiritual rejection um, that I, I just I, I want to focus on. This is important as we understand it. So when we say we found Christ, there's a natural finding of Christ, and there's a spiritual finding of Christ. 27 AD, 31 AD, and 34 AD is just a natural finding of Christ. Everybody on planet Earth can find this Christ because it's already happened. 27, 31, 34, this is, when you naturally found, this is what Adventism teach. This, this natural, well, Adventists should teach. They don't all teach this. They, most of them don't even understand it anymore. But this is what the Sunday churches understand this, even to some measure or some, some degree. Christ was baptized 27, he died on 31, and he, and he rose 31, and he closed the door to the Jews on 34 AD at the stoning of Stephen. That's the natural. To find Christ now, today, is having this, but is now to find him spiritually. The spiritual explanation of these things. That's what the Lord helped us to find when we say we found Christ. If we don't understand the spiritual explanation of this, then we have not found Christ. We have not found the Messiah. And the reason why we haven't found him is because we don't have the natural. You can't understand the spiritual without the natural. And the Jews rejected both Christ naturally and spiritually. So therefore, the world is going to reject Christ both naturally and spiritually. 
the Jews were the first nation on planet Earth to reject Christ, God as man. They were the first one. The United States is the last nation to finish this transgression which the Jews began. This, that's a bigger thing of what the Lord is teaching us as Romero went over to finish the transgression. The Jews were the first to do this. They were the first to, to, to reject God as man. They were, and the United States is going to be the last to do it. And the Jews did it, and they led the rest of the world to follow in their footsteps by persecuting the Christians who were advocating God as man. God came in the flesh, and he died to save us from our sins and his humanity, and he rose from the grave in his divinity to say to cleanse men from their sins. And the Jews persecuted the Christians for teaching that, and they taught the pagans, the other nations, to do the same thing. So the United States is going to finish the transgression by picking up exactly where the Jews left off. They're going to persecute the people of God who are going to teach that Christ is blotting out, getting ready to blot out their sins, and he's about to set up his kingdom. They're going to reject him as priest, Barabbas, and they chose Barabbas. They're going to choose the papacy, and they're going to reject him as king. They're going to choose Caesar, which is represented in the papacy at the end of the day, which is really just Satan at the end of the day. So at the end of the world, God is going to have a people who understand spiritually what, what all of this means. Because if we don't understand that, the letter is not going to do anything for you. It's not going to help you. But Rashad went over this point. The 2300 days is a door, as I have it here. And in order to open up this door, you need a key. And a key, as he was going over, I like the last quote, is in one of his notes. And we're going to go there. Um, in the last quote in his note, in the note that Rashad used, you may not have it if you're listening to this, but it's all right, I'll read that portion. And, and it says this, and it's taken from CIHS 160.3. And it says, to them, speaking of the Jews, to them the door was shut. They had no knowledge. A shut door means no knowledge. So when the door is shut, when Christ closes probation, no more knowledge is given. So the 23rd of days, when Daniel came to Daniel 8.14, he had no knowledge. So in order to give him a knowledge, the Lord gave him an explanation that, explained, that opened up the knowledge to this. Why am I going there? The 23rd of days is the entrance to knowledge. Amen. This is the entrance to knowledge. Why is it the entrance to knowledge? What is the lesson the Lord is trying to teach us spiritually? Only when you have your sins removed can you enter into knowledge. Daniel prayed to have his misunderstanding removed, and then he got the knowledge. So the lesson that Rashad was going over in the prayer that the Lord is teaching, when we confess our sins, then we get this knowledge. And what does all this mean? The key is given to us now to understand the plan of salvation. That's what's given to us, to understand the plan of salvation. For somebody else? No, for you, for you, for you. If you understand the plan of salvation for you, you're understanding it for somebody else. If, you, if you're delivered, somebody else will be the delivered. That's how the plan of salvation works. Amen. It will never be an individual-based thing in the sense of you're not working for somebody else. But first you must understand it, and then you have the ability to work for somebody else. So why am I saying this? John the Baptist, when he came, what did he preach? Why did, why did he have to repent? The Messiah was coming. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what John taught. And when Christ came, what did he say? The time is fulfilled. It's for, and when the disciples came, what did they preach? The same thing. Why am I saying this? The entrance to preaching the gospel message is Daniel 8.14. John came preaching the time. Christ came preaching the time. The disciples came preaching the time. Miller came preaching the time. The Millerites came preaching the time. Jeff came preaching the time. So therefore, we come preaching the what? The time. So therefore, Daniel 9 is your license to preach. 
If you don't understand Daniel 9, you didn't get your license from God to preach. Miller did not preach until he understood Daniel 8.14. John was not sent until he understood Daniel 9. And Christ did not go get baptized until Daniel 9 said it's time for you to get baptized. And Christ got baptized under the teaching or the influence of Daniel 8.14. And John went out baptizing people under the influence of Daniel 8.14. And the disciples went out doing the work under the influence of Daniel 8.14. And Miller went out preaching literally it's on the chart he went out under the influence preaching Daniel 8 14 and Jeff came on the scene in 1989 literally preaching Daniel 8 14 connecting it with Daniel 11 40 to 45 why is that important one is grace one is glory the glory is reserved for people us at the end of the world and that understand Daniel 8 14 so and that gives us the license to preach both so at the end of the world Adventists need to just like before you can preach in the Adventist church, they check your credentials. Before you receive any ministers, God has given us the, the right to check their credentials. If they don't understand this, then God did not send them. No matter how much they say they are a follower of Christ, he did not send them. Why is this important? We have to believe this. Because if we don't believe this, we don't have no anchor for our souls. LOI says, these messages were represented to me as an anchor to the people of God to keep us from the many delusions of Satan. If you know that this is what people need to understand, ministers need to understand, you literally have an anchor for your soul. If they can't explain to you this explanation, this is the entrance into, the, into, the, into Christ's kingdom of grace. The Christ, Christ entered into his ministry according to Daniel 9.25. His literal ministry began with that. So everyone who becomes a Christ, where should they begin? The same place. Everyone who becomes a Seventh-day Adventist, this is where they begin. Daniel 8.14. This is the entrance into Christ's kingdom of grace. She says, above all scriptures is Daniel 8.14. I mean, there's all the scriptures in the Bible. And Ellen White says, above all those scriptures, Daniel 8.14 is the foundation. She puts that. So what, would, what should you build people up on? That. And the foundation is a rock, and Christ says a rock is a sand. So the sands of Daniel 8.14 is what, is what the kingdom of grace is built up on, and it must be understood. Okay, so now that we went through that little introduction, let's go to our notes. But what we want to highlight is this great rule that the Lord is bringing to mind for what we're going to touch on in regards to Daniel 8.14. So when we say we found the Messiah... We found God has given us the explanation to understand the 2300 days in a spiritual aspect. That's what he's given to us. Not, not just in his natural, literal fashion. We need that because man shall not live by the natural alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And even that, spirit, amen, amen. Even that, there's a deep lesson in there, but we're not going to touch that for right now. But here, the 2300 days, I praise God for what our brothers is doing, laying out this natural thing. We should have this. Every single person on planet Earth is to understand the 2300 days in this natural sense because it says, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So every nation, kindred, tongue, and people should understand the 2300 days naturally. It's literally there for them to understand. But the Lord must appoint messengers to help them understand these things spiritually, those who understand it naturally. And, but they're not going to be sent if they don't have that natural key, the natural explanation to the 2300 days. So we're going to develop both these thoughts as we go on. Because Christ says his ministers bring out of the storehouse 
things natural and new. That's what they do. They bring out the old and the new. They bring out the former things and the latter things at the same time. So this is what we hope to do. So in our notes, the first part, um, uh, we're all familiar with this quote. The work of God on the earth presents from age to age a striking similarity in every great reformation or religious movement. The principles of God's dealing with men are ever the same. The important movements of the present have their parallel in those of the past. And the experience of the church in former ages has lessons of great value for our own time. Now I'm going to jump over this because we're familiar with this parallel. This is how the Lord has been helping us to understand the scriptures. Go down to lesson. Um, I'm going to read the, the first part in the lesson. And we understand parallels as these prophecies. We parallel line up online to show where we are in, in time. We could take 27 AD and we can parallel it to 1840. And we can parallel it to 27 AD that the Lord, the Lord gave power to this message that came at the time of the end, 1798, 4 BC, 1798, and 1989. So we parallel it. You can't move a parallel. History, when, it's when the prophecy is fulfilled, that fulfillment must have a parallel to it happening. So 9-11 literally has a parallel in the Bible. And the easiest parallel we can see for 9-11 is the Tower of Babel. The easiest parallel is the Tower of Babel. Two towers came down. And at, and at the Tower of Babel, how many towers came down? Two. What were they? Yes, but how did, how did Nimrod say it? say it? Let us build us a tower. Let us build us a city and a tower. So what did the Lord bring down? A city and a tower. He brought down two things. By one tower, he brought down two things. And he struck off the top. The same thing. So when you go to 9-11, there's your parallel. The, the Lord struck off the top, and he confounded these kings' languages. They left off to build a one-world government that they had a desire to build. Because that's what Nimrod, George Bush in 89 says, the one world government is on the way, not in those exact words. And at 9-11, the Lord confounded these kings that wanted to bring about this one world government. They had to leave off to go deal with, with Islam. That's what they had to go do. So there's an easy parallel. But that same story is a lesson. Every time we set up towers trying to build up ourselves, the Lord will confound us by bringing a message that's going to fight against what we're teaching. And it's going to bring down our tower. And, it, and he basically smites the shepherd. Is everyone following? Amen. Amen. So it's both a parallel and a lesson at the same time. So it says, the Bible has accumulated and bound up together its treasures for this last generation. All the great events and solemn transactions of Old Testament history have been and are repeating themselves in the church in these last days. Next bowl. There the whole accumulated truths are presented in force to us that we may profit by their teachings. We are under the influence of the whole. What manner of persons ought we to be to whom all this rich light of influence, inheritance has been given? Concentrating all the influence of the past which with new and, in, in, new and increased light of the present, accrued powers given to all who will follow the light. Their faith will increase and be brought into exercise at the present time. I should have read this in Timothy, though, where it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, profitable for correction, profitable for instruction, and profitable instruction in righteousness. So all scripture is profitable for whatever subject we want to teach. And the Lord really wants us to understand this because it's going to matter a great deal when we look more into the 2300 days. That the whole Bible is designed to prove the 2300 days. This is, this is what is there to do. But we have to receive this rule. And going on. So it says, and in the quote we just read, it says, There the whole accumulated truths are presented and forced to us that we may profit by their teachings. We are under the influence in the scriptures. 
There's a powerful influence that's there to lead us to do righteousness. And just look at what influence means. It's, it's an it's a unseen power that you don't see. There's a life in the scriptures that if, when anyone reads, it's going to influence them to work the works of righteousness. So what are we saying? In the 23rd of days, there's a powerful influence that comes with understanding this message that's going to lead us to work righteousness that the world has never, ever witnessed in all their existence since Christ went back to heaven. And the disciples, and the disciples carried on the same work. Amen. Go ahead. Okay, amen. Amen, yes. So there's a powerful influence that comes from understanding this. A spiritual force is behind the teaching of the 20th and the day, such as the world has never witnessed since Christ and the disciples and the Millerite movement. The Millerites got that same influence at the midnight cry, and the Lord is trying to resurrect that influence so that we can have it for our midnight cry. And when he resurrects this influence, praise God, it will never go out until Jesus comes. So this is the last time he will resurrect this influence. Well, because why? He's about to close up the kingdom of grace and usher in the kingdom of glory. And just the way the kingdom of grace opened up with power, so the kingdom of glory must also open up with a powerful influence of people doing work in works of righteousness. And it starts with the 2300 days. Everyone entered by this prophecy. John 1. Um, we're going to jump over that. Just go down to natural and spiritual. Revelation 18 comes down to give us this powerful influence. Revelation 18 is a key that's going to explain something. That's what it is. It's a key that's going to explain something, but it's only going to be given to those who have entered into the door of the kingdom of grace. If you didn't enter into this door, you're not going to get this key of explanation. That's going to do what? Unlock the scripture because it's, the scripture is going to become a literal new book. It's literally going to be a new book. The same scripture we're reading is going to be a completely new book. And Revelation 18 comes down as a key to explain that new book. It's a new character that we're, the Lord is about to have us put on that the world has never seen. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, which we know very well. Howbeit thou was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. The first man is of the earth earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So Paul lets us know there's an earthly and there's a heavenly. And the earthly is first and the heavenly is, is second. And it says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard. This is what Christ said in Matthew 16. Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. I have not seen nor ear heard that therefore they can reveal this to you. But my Father in heaven, he revealed this second revelation to you. Because you accepted me naturally, therefore my Father revealed it to you spiritually. So because we accept the 2300 days naturally, therefore our heavenly Father is revealing these things to us spiritually. Amen. So it says, God hath, um, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And in John 3, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Jesus is explaining the same thing Paul just said in John chapter 3. 
when Christ got baptized, what was given to him? That he might know the things that are freely given to him of God. He's our example in all things. Well, what did he get baptized into? Into the door. Into the very message he himself gave to Daniel through Gabriel. So John came preaching this message and Christ got baptized according to the teaching of Daniel 9. He had to literally fulfill Daniel 9.25. And this is why he said to John, John suffered to be so now for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. So to be baptized according to Daniel 8.14, which is Daniel 9.25, you've entered into the path of working righteousness. Amen. So if you don't get baptized under the influence of Daniel 9.25, you're on the path of unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what church you're in. If you didn't get baptized according to the understanding of Daniel 8.14, and Daniel 9, 24 to 27, explaining Daniel 8, 14, you got baptized into the wrong system, and therefore you're going to receive the wrong spirit. Therefore, it is unrighteousness. Righteousness is a revelation. If something's not revealed to us, then we don't have the righteousness that comes from God. We have the righteousness that comes from men, right? Paul says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So when Peter said, thou art the Christ, he was manifesting his righteousness, because it was revealed to him, righteousness is a revelation. If we don't have the revelation that comes from God, then we don't have the righteousness that comes from God. That's true righteousness by faith, a revelation that comes from God. But we must first receive the natural. It's, nat it's right for us to get baptized naturally. That is righteousness. You're doing it according to what's written in the law. But God, when you do that, the Lord will give you his Holy Spirit, just like he gave to Christ, so that we can now know the things that's freely given to us of God. So there's something the Lord wants us to know that he's already given to us in the 2300 days. And because by his mercy, he's walking us down the same path everyone has to try, by his grace, he's going to open this thing up to us more, which I believe he already started. Amen. And it's just going to increase as we go along. Amen. Yeah, it's gonna, so going, <clears throat> Christ says in John 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I love that word again. That word again means from above. When you look it up, one of his meanings is from above. Except a man be born from above, and go read Desire of Ages, the chapter of Nicodemus. This is exactly how Ellen White reads it. She says, except a man be born from above. That's exactly how she reads it. So Christ is, Nicodemus understood what Christ was saying, and not at the first. And he says, except a man be born from above. How are you born from above? By accepting the truth that comes down from above. When you accept that truth, you're being born into the truth from above. And, and you're now entering into the life that comes from above. And because you've entered into this life that comes from above, therefore God appoints you an angel to teach you the life that comes from above. And now you can understand the things that are freely given to us of God once you enter into this path of righteousness. So Jesus continued on in Matthew, in John 3. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Um, jump down with me to verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of what? If I have told you the natural things, I love the, this is new every time. If I have told you natural things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So if I, if I have told you of the 490 that it happened on earth, earthly, how are you going to believe when I take the same 490 and show you something what? Heavenly. If you don't believe it that it happened on earth, how are you going to believe the next revelation? I'm going to show you that what took place there was really something taking place in heaven. Mm -hmm. Something was taking place there. And the Lord appointed that 
to give us a, a, a visual representation and the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us what took place there. And that's the righteousness that comes from God. That. Other, or we can just have the righteousness, which is by the law, by saying 27 AD, Christ fulfilled, Daniel 9, 25, which is true is right, but that's the letter. Yeah. That's just the letter. Mm -hmm. that, for, for back then, for the disciples, that's what they needed to know. The disciples obviously don't understand now what, what the Lord is now teaching, but Christ understood perfectly well, and I love that. When Christ got baptized, his divine nature was looking down to the end of the world at the people who was going to be teaching what he did that day. And I praise God for that. He's connecting us with himself. It says, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jump down with me now to, um, just go down with me to the next quote, SDP. I love this quote from Haskell. Notwithstanding the fact that Gabriel gives a plain narrative, the very words which he uses and the facts which he selects from the multitude of events which actually transpired have a significance. In reading God's word, in how many? Any. In any of his parts, there is first to be found the story which lies where? On the surface. Daniel 8.14 has a natural story on the surface, which everyone can see. Is, um, Seventy weeks is determined upon thy people to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to, bring in, to make reconciliation, bring in everlasting righteousness, anoint the most holy. Uh, I don't want to mess it up anymore. To seal up the vision. Amen. And anoint the most holy. That's a natural view yep. that we must have. But, but we just told in reading God's word in any of his parts, there's first that which is to be found on the surface. And I love this. And secondly, the deeper meaning, which is just as what? True so we were blind. <laughs> this text says we were blind because it says it's just as truly there. Why didn't we see it? But now that we come to it, what do we say once the Lord anointed our eyes to see it? We found the Messiah. What does that mean? We found the spiritual explanation. We found the truth. We, amen. We found the truth. This is the truth. The natural is just as true, but this is the true bread that comes down from heaven. This is the true revelation for the end of the world. It's upon this that many people are going to actually repent and accept this message. Upon this. Because isn't that what John came preaching? And people's sinners repented? Upon the revelation that John brought them, so likewise, by the grace of God, as we go preaching this, people are going to repent. But we're going to suffer for teaching this because it brings with it persecution. For all those that live godly shall what? Suffer persecution. So persecution comes with understanding this, 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 this teaching. Matthew 16 shows that very plainly. Christ says from this time forth, he began to show what? All the sufferings that they were going to go through for understanding that revelation. So for what the Lord has shown us as Rashad was going over, we're about to pass through a cross, and he's really going to open it up to us. But how is he going to open it up, open it up to us? We have to see it spiritually. It's not going to be written plainly in the Bible on the surface, even though it's plainly written there for the spiritual eye that is open to see that, oh, man, this is what's coming. They're going to literally do this, and they're going to do that, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and that building is going to come down, and that city is going to be destroyed. And over there, but before that, the Lord gives grace, and he, he, show, he gives us the grace to, to give us strength to endure this revelation. But it says, um, but go on, it says, but which must be sought for as with a lighted candle. It is hoped that the reader may at last catch a glimpse of the deep spiritual lessons while reading the plain narrative of events. 2780, when they rebuilt the temple in the time of Artaxerxes and Nehemiah and Ezra, that was the plain event. So 
Ezra 6.14 says, God, Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. That's the plain event. Then what's God, Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes in heaven? It's something, something spiritual happened in heaven based on that. The Lord used that. What, what, was, what was happening there? The setting up of a kingdom. So what is the Lord, what is that going to teach us? How Christ is going to set up his kingdom up there. And it's going to happen down here. Cyrus was a king, Darius was a king, and Artaxerxes was a king. So kings is up there are going to do something under the influence of God. And, and so I praise God for that. That's just a, a, a little taste of some of those things. Well, it says, the work of God in the earth teaches us heavenly things. Three views. So now we want to come to where, where we're going with this to show that the Bible has three views. And all three views must be accepted by the people of God at the end of the world. And we're going to have to understand that the Lord made this very easy for us to understand. It's not difficult, and it's not hard, and it's not complicated. Um, when we accept the Holy Spirit, we will be guided into all truth. Amen? Amen. And Christ says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It is not hard. It's, it's just walking in the light. That's all we have to do. It's three steps up to heaven, and let's, let's take these steps up to heaven. For it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, for therein where? Listen, therein where? Therein the gospel. Oh, <laughs> yes, therein the gospel. Amen. Perk up. For therein is in the gospel is the what? Righteousness, righteousness of God revealed. So righteousness is a revelation. That's, that's what I'm righteous. To be righteous, the gospel must be revealed to you. If it's not revealed to you, literally, we're going to see people who's actually living in unrighteousness. If they're not preaching this gospel, no matter how much they say they love Christ, we must believe that they're unrighteous. To be unrighteous is to mean, is to, mean to be without the understanding of the true gospel that comes down from heaven. To be righteous is to understand the gospel that comes down from heaven. And it says, believe. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for what? For righteousness. How? Because God revealed something to him that hasn't happened as yet. The Lord says, your, your seed shall be as the stars. And the Bible says in Genesis 15, Abraham believed that revelation that comes from God. And God says, Abraham, your belief is because of your belief, you are righteous. And then Abraham went about to work that righteousness. He, the Lord put an influence upon Abraham where he began to work towards that righteousness. But his wife came up and spoke against that righteousness, and Abraham fell from that righteousness. Is everyone following? When, when, when Sarah turned him out of the way of righteousness and said, go on to Hagar, and he went on to Hagar, he worked the works of unrighteousness and brought in an influence of death. That's what he brought in. But had he continued... Islam would have never been something that the people of God would have had to deal with. Had he, not li had he listened to Sarah, what, what would the Lord have used? We don't know, because Abraham brought in a work of unrighteousness. What was his work of unrighteousness? He tried to bring about the fulfillment of prophecy by his own strength. This has been the sin of God's people in every generation. And by the grace of God, may we not come under that evil influence, because it still exists. And the Lord is trying to, the 2300 days keeps us from that evil influence. Okay, faith. So the Bible says faith comes out. Hearing. And hearing by the man shall not live by, but by Every word. the words I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit. That's how man lives. Man lives by the spirit. Amen. That's how you live. Must worship him in spirit and in truth. So to be a true worshiper of God, we have to understand the 2300 days in its spiritual import. All right, Adventists, that's that, that natural understanding it's time to come up a little higher. 
in our understanding. If, if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And I saw another angel flying in the midst of what? Heavenly. So what are they coming to tell us? Heavenly things. heavenly things. Not earthly things. They're coming to tell us heavenly things. So the first, second, and third, they also have another revelation to give us at the end of the world. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred, tongue, and people. And Paul says we're not to be ashamed of this revelation that God is going to show us. They are going to fight it. They have to fight it. People have to fight it. If they don't fight it, then it's not the revelation that the Lord has given to us. And the second angel's message, and there followed another angel saying, and the third, and there followed, and they, and the third angel followed them. And Paul says the the for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. And we just saw three steps. So there's three revelation that we must receive in order to come up to the point where God speaks to us. Three of them. The first step, the first revelation. The second step, the second revelation. And the third step, the third revelation. Those who fell off at the first couldn't be benefited by the second revelation. And those who didn't receive the second revelation can't be benefited by the midnight cry that would have prepared them to receive the third revelation. The midnight cry comes to prepare us to receive the third revelation. It's a very hard saying of God. And Christ sends the midnight cry to prepare us to receive that hard saying. And that's where we are. The Lord is actually preparing us for the civil Sunday law. There's something coming at the civil Sunday law that he's really trying to get us prepared for. And I understand, we understand as Revelation 18 arrived. This hard saying that we're going to learn all the way up to the Sunday law. We can't preach it more fully if we didn't learn it. So we're going to preach it more fully because we've been learning, learning it. A message arrived is not understood and it's an increase of knowledge and then it's preached. And this is what the, the Lord has shown us. First, second Corinthians, um, Paul speaking on this. I'm going to just go down to verse 2 for time. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such, and one ought caught up to the, where? To the third heaven. And go down to the next verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard what? Unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. To be caught up to the third heaven is hard sayings. This is what it is. They're hard to be uttered. But the Lord is going to give his people power, the power of explanation to teach these things. It's really going to be the power of God. Oh, that's nice. This verse shows that there, is a, there will be a law directly made on earth against teaching um, the third. Revelation 18. Yeah. Yes. Oh, am, oh yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's nice. Amen. That's nice. I like that. That's God keeping the tears from teaching it. He's keeping the wiki. That's nice. Amen. But what is that saying? That there's a law in heaven that says if you're not righteous, you shouldn't teach this message. You don't have the license to teach Revelation. Revelation 18 is for righteous people. And what is a righteous people? People who have the message revealed to them. It has to be revealed to you. If, you. if you're teaching Revelation 18 without a revelation, you are unrighteous. And I thank God for that revelation. At the Sunday law, the Lord is going to have the world put in a Sunday law to keep the sinners from teaching that which was not revealed to him. And he's forced to go out from the people of God because he was none of us. 
But by the grace of God, may we be of the kingdom of God. May we be baptized into his fold so that we would have the license to teach the third angel's message. And what's that license? The Holy Spirit. We're going to be covered and protected under that law that they're going to make on earth. Because we're told that the, the rulers of this earth is not for those that do good, but for those that do evil. So the Sunday law is actually for evildoers, not for those that do good. Um, going on. It, commenting on that to what Mary says, the Bible certainly recognizes three heavens in the present constitution of things, namely the first or atmospheric heaven, which the fowls of the air inhabit, the second, the planetary heaven, the region of the sun, moon, and stars, and the third, high above the others, where paradise and the tree of life are found, where God has his residence and his throne, to which Paul was caught up in heavenly vision, to which Christ ascended when he left the earth, where he, where he now as priest king is, sits upon the throne with, with his father, and where the glorious city stands awaiting the saints when they enter into life. Blessed, blessed be God that from that bright land, in, bright land intelligence has been brought to, to this far off world of, of, of ours. And thanks be to his holy name that a what? A way has been opened from the dark places of earth, which leads like a straight and shining path of light up to those blessed abodes. What a way has been opened. What is that way? Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the three steps. It's the courtyard, the holy place, and the most holy place. And literally, when you go into the holy place, you see the candlesticks, the other planets that gives their light. You see the bread. You see the two the, the bread. Um, the, 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 the two stacks of bread, six, the sun and the moon, right there on the table, right? You're in the planetary region. And then you go into where? You, you have the, um, the altar of incense that's, that's between the, the, most, the entrance to the most holy. Right and, the, the and what is the altar of incense then in the planetary region? The Milky Way. <laughs> is everyone, this heaven, you're right there in the Milky Way, the, 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 this incense. And you, it's, when you pass, and that's the door that opens up. What opens up the Milky Way? Prayer. Prayer opens that door. Prayer is going to bring Christ out of the most holy place of heaven. And he's going to open up that Milky Way and he's going to send light down to his people to let them know that he is coming because they've been sending up their prayer, their, their, their incense of prayer up to him for them to get that revelation. And then you go into the most holy place, the place where God abides. So the sanctuary literally teaches you that there's three steps to heaven. The Jews are responsible for the first step, the courtyard. The Christian church was responsible for the second step, the holy place. Seventh-day Adventist is responsible for the third place of revelation, Amen. the most holy place. That's where God has placed Seventh-day Adventists to explain to people the work of the sanctuary from the court to the holy to the most holy that gives us our place and location of where we are. But the Lord's about to take us up a little higher in this experience of the most holy place. Where is he going to take us? To go from the dead to the living and then from that into the, to the, to the, to the city. Amen. So go down to this next quote. It says, the work before you is, is no light task. Let me see. Do I want to read that? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to read. I don't want, because that's, he's commenting in 1 Corinthians, the one above it. It says, no child's play. You have failed to go forward to perfection, but now you may, be, you may begin anew. You may show by your life what the power and grace of God can do in transforming the natural man into a spiritual man in Christ Jesus. There are but two classes in the world, the class that know God and the class that know him not. 
the spiritual man belongs to the first class, the natural man to, to the other. And it is according to our estimate of the character of the father and the son that our class is determined. I just love that. Amen. Our estimate of the father and the son determines our classes. So we're either natural based on how we know the father and the son or we're spiritual based on how we know the father and the son. But I want to say there's a natural man and there's a spiritual man and there's a most spiritual man. How, what, what makes me say that? What's the sanctuary spiritually? The, us. It's, it's us. I mean, the literal one is in heaven, but it's only a representation of our body. And, and a man has, has these three parts himself. He's a courtyard. He's a natural man. But he also has a mind and he has feelings. He has his conscience and where, where the high powers of the mind sits. And he has his feelings. But which one is to govern? The, obviously, the higher one reason is to govern the, 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 um, the, the, the lower nature in which we have. So why am I saying this? These, these are these three steps that we have to climb up in our understanding of the things that the Lord wants to open up to us. And going on. So I'm only bringing that into show the natural. And when you're born again, you become a spiritual man. But you're to go from, from greater, you're to go from spiritual to most spiritual now. And you're, we're going to be most spiritual based upon our estimate of the character of the Father and the Son. That's what's going to determine our class. Many people are going to be spiritual, but not, not everyone is going to be most spiritual. Is everyone following? Amen. Not everyone's going to be most, and here's why it's going to be important for us. Not everyone, they're the most spiritual. And let's, let's prove some of these things. Um, Near the close of the second angel's message, I saw a great light from heaven shining upon the people of God. The rays of this light seemed bright as the sun, and I heard the voice of angels crying, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. This was the midnight cry, which was to give power to the second angel's message. Just go down to the next bowl. The most who? The most spiritual received this message first. And those who had formerly led in the work were the last to receive and help swell the cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to what? We can prove this from our experience. The message came in 1989. We were natural Adventists. We were born again when we accepted this message. We became spiritual. But in 2014, one group didn't want to go on. So they were left where? In the courtyard. That's where they were left in 2014. But a group that chose to go on, they went into the holy place now. And when we come to 2016, the Lord was announcing to us from 2015, he's about to take our minds where? To the most holy place. That's where he was about to take us. But then we came to that point, and that's where some people left off. And those who went into that experience, they got higher revelations and explanations of the things of God because they were more spiritual. They began to understand the smiting of the shepherd. They, we began to understand the scapegoat. We began to understand the, the two births a little better. And then we come to the fifth day, the fourth month, which with even a greater um, explanation of things. The Lord opened up our minds a little bit more to understand the working of the governments of the angels, as Rochelle was talking about earlier. And then you come down. So what is he about to show us then? That we're literally about to go from the dead to the living. That's a most spiritual explanation in order to understand that one. And if we're not most spiritual, that in Millerite history, they had to be most spiritual to go into the judgment of the dead. Is it going to be any less for the judgment of the living? No. If they had to be most spiritual to enter into the, to, into the most holy place, 
I mean, it's literally called the most holy place. So you must be the most spiritual person to enter into that place. What does that mean? You must see the Bible in a spiritual explanation of the things that took place on earth. And if Christ have told us those earthly things and we believe not, how are we going to believe the most spiritual things he's going to reveal to us? We're not going to believe those things. So the midnight cry comes to make us most spiritual people to prepare us for the real revelation he's going to show us at the Civil Sunday Law. And as I'm understanding it, the 2300 days is what washes the mind and prepares it for this most spiritual revelation that he's going to give us. John did it. Christ did it. The disciples did it. Miller did it. Daniel did it. He prayed. His mind was cleansing. He was prepared for that revelation. So the Lord is doing the same thing for us. And I have here, I'm going to come down to this close, a couple explanation of, of what, a couple examples of this, the sanctuary for what we're saying. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make them, make it. And this is, this is the court, and here's what Paul says. This is the earthly sanctuary. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Verse 5, who serve unto the example and shadow of what? Spiritual things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern. At 34 AD, 31 AD, and 34 AD, the Jews lost all the knowledge that they could have had of these heavenly things because they did not enter into the natural understanding that Christ came to fulfill all the, 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 the fulfillment of the that the sanctuary was designed to teach them. So the courtyard, the natural, Exodus 28, um, just look at verse 41. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. So in the earthly sanctuary, Adam had to be consecrated. He had to put on a garment, he had to be anointed, and he had to, um, um, he had to do that to his sons and minister in the work of the sanctuary. So Christ, uh, we have to go over this. We have to teach this no matter how, how much it is. Christ did, Aaron did this, but that was the earthly view. Christ came, and he had to fulfill that. He had to change the disciples' garment. Not, not um, what's the word? Not literally, but spiritually. How did he change their garment? He took them from the natural understanding of the, of, the, of the worship that they were doing, and he put upon them a spiritual understanding of the worship that they were now about to engage in. The Lord changed their garment. They were no longer natural Jews. They were now what? Spiritual Jews. Their garment literally changed. They went from being a natural Jew to now being a spiritual Jew, and they understood this on the day of Pentecost. And just like Christ was anointed on the day of Pentecost, after he put on the priestly garment and he put on the garments upon the disciples, what was the garment? It was their understanding that he was going from natural to spiritual. And they put on that spiritual garment, and then the Lord anointed them with his oil, which was the Holy Spirit, and that anointed was given to them that they might explain the change that took place from the court and Christ going into the holy place. So the Lord gave them the power to explain to, to all the Jewish people the change that Christ made from earth to heaven. And that's what took place there at 31 AD. But it has another view. That, that was just one, the earthly one that Aaron did. 
The second one was what Christ did with the disciples. And the third one is what Christ did with the angels. As the disciples were being anointed, by that view, we're seeing that angels in heaven were also anointed to minister to the disciples as the disciples anointed to minister to the people. Is everyone following? Amen. Amen. So the disciples were anointed. It means angels were anointed because Christ needs ministers in his literal sanctuary above. And he needs ministers in his spiritual sanctuary below. So the 120 were his ministers for the earth and the angels in heaven was the minister for the sanctuary in heaven. So you have one view. You have the Aaron anointing his son. That view helps you to understand Christ anointing the disciples. And if you can understand Christ anointed in the disciples, then you can understand Christ anointing his angels. You can't understand this. And we have to accept all three views because the angels have a part to play in this work. And you can see it in Daniel 8.13. Daniel 8.13 says, And I saw one saint speaking, and another, and another saint that spake unto that certain saint which spake. So the vision in Daniel 8.14 has connected to it saints in heaven. You can't separate the saints in heaven from the vision of Daniel 8.14. But the Lord brings us up to that view when we understand the earthly to the second one up to the third one. He's really going to open up heaven like we've never, ever seen before. And by the grace of God, if, if, he, if the Lord gives us that revelation, we are a connection to, 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 to heaven. We, the, his people on earth, just like the disciples, become the, what she calls it? The channel of communication. We become the channel of communication of the, the judgment of the dead going to the living and Christ going into the, to receive the kingdom. Amen to, to, to the executive judgment. Amen. But we have to be the most spiritual people in order to receive this revelation. We have to be spiritual. And it starts with being baptized, literally. We have to literally get baptized. If we haven't been baptized, we have to start considering being baptized. Because if we're not considering being baptized, Jesus says you're not going to see the kingdom of God and you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. And what is he saying? You're not going to enter into that experience and you're not going to understand that experience if you don't naturally get baptized. Natural baptism is a sign that you've been spiritually baptized by his spirit so you can understand the thing he's going to do up in heaven and up on earth. So if we have not been baptized, we have to start really considering baptism. Why? Because Jesus is our example in what? all things we have not we, God has now given us the license to baptize people because he's given us an understanding in the very message that teaches you to baptize people so what is he he's actually sending us just like he did John to what to baptize we can't baptize until we because now by the grace of God when people get baptized Daniel 8 14 that's what they have to understand this is the entrance into God's church and Paul says we're not to be ashamed of saying this to people. We're not to be ashamed of it because the Lord is going to honor that in his due time. So last one, most holy. Let's look at a most holy revel, another one. Um, verse 41 at the bottom of 12. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and shalt anoint them and consecrate them and, and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all what? Ministering spirits. But according to that text, a minister must be anointed. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Aren't the disciples ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto them that shall be heirs of salvation? They were sent to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's people in the Jews that, that has ears of salvation. And on the day of Pentecost, the Lord, the Lord baptized 3,000 people such as should be saved. And then when that work was done at 34 AD, right here, the disciples went to the Gentiles. They couldn't go to the Gentiles because Christ was still setting up the sanctuary in heaven. 
And as it's being set up, how do we know that? Because Christ was setting up his sanctuary on earth. What was the sanctuary on earth? His disciples. He was setting them up and calling out Jews to prepare them to begin the work of going to the Gentiles on 34 AD. And he commemorated it by anointing Saul to do that very work. Because it was now time for, for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. Because now he has workers prepared to take it. And at the same time he was bringing in those workers, Christ was bringing in beings from the other planets to also join in the work of saving men. Is everyone following? He, he added to the church 3,000. So he added beings from other planets the same way. How many, how many of those numbers? I don't know. I just know he added them to join him in his work of going to the Gentiles. Is everyone following? That's the most holy place revelation because that's the place that literally took place in the most holy place. Is, is, is everyone following? Amen. Go ahead. Solomon's um, temple. Yeah, it was more, more, more. Than, than the first one. Amen. So I'm thinking just on the thought you said then, the beings from those, from those worlds some have some work in line with the sanctuary um, yeah. They brought materials. Yeah. Because Hiram brought materials for Solomon. Yeah. Those be they brought materials. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of things you can bring. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Amen. Explain more of which part. Yeah, the three thousand on earth that the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. He added them so that they can help in the work of taking the gospel to the world. Because the Jews was from every nation, kindred, tongue, and people on the day of Pentecost. And when they received the gospel, they went back to their respective nations, and they literally took the gospel to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And the point I'm making is that is showing us that the Lord connected from every nation, beings from every nation, to come and assist them in that work of coming to our world. Are you following? The Jews, they went to, every, to all the worlds. The Lord, the Lord gathered Jews from everywhere in the world to send them to the world. So Christ gathered beings from, from, from the worlds he has made to send them to our world. You following? Okay, well, I know everyone's not going to really understand this. And, and, but, and, and I want to say, for those who may not understand this, you may not have been baptized. You may not have been literally baptized if you not understand it. It's because Christ says, what, what do we read in John 3? Except a man be born again, he shall not what? He shall not see the kingdom of God. You're not going to discern it. You're not going to understand it. It's not going to make sense to you. I mean, how, you, how are you using the disciples on earth as a representation of the angels in heaven? What else are you going to use to see there? If Christ have told you earthly things and you don't believe that, how are you going to believe heavenly things when he used the earthly things to teach you heavenly things? There's no difference. He's using the things on earth so you can see the things in heaven. And when your mind is enlightened, it would appeal to your reason. And it will be a reasonable understanding. And you walk in the light of that reason. It makes sense to your reason. It's not doing any damage to anything in which you understood before previously. All, all Christ is doing is taking your mind from one place to another place to another place. And we're to walk in the light of that place in which he's taken us. The midnight cry is seen by the most spiritual. The 23rd of days is a very spiritual revelation. And this is what it means when we say we found the Messiah. We found the Lord has opened up to our understanding the spiritual explanation of the 2300 days. So as we're going over it naturally, it's going to help us to understand it um, spiritually at the same time. Daniel 7, back to the ministers. I beheld to the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool, 
His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands, what? Ministered unto him. They had to be anointed. If they ministered, they had to be anointed because we just read that before you can minister, you must be anointed. So when Christ went to heaven, his anointing of the disciples was the anointing of the angels. That's where he, as he anointed the disciples, angels was being anointed to have charge over the disciples that was being anointed. And the disciples was going to have charge over people that they were anointed to have charge over. It's, it, it's, it's just uh, the, the plan of salvation. Amen. Okay, five minutes. Thank you. I'm coming on to this next one. Yea, they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having charge at the gates of the house and ministering to the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand, bef st stand before them to minister unto them. Acts 10. And there came a voice to, to him, rise, Peter, what? So what are the angels doing? Same thing. Yeah, how do they slay us? They come and they teach us the message. And they're slaying us. They're killing the old man, and we're putting on the new man. Peter went and slayed Cornelius with the message, with the word of God. And Cornelius put off the old man, and Cornelius put on the new man. What Peter was doing was under the unction of the angels that God has appointed to minister to them, because they were appointed to minister to the people. It's, it's, it's nothing different. It's, it's all the same. The Lord is connecting us to heaven. Like Rashad went over, Daniel 9, the angel came and did what to Daniel? So angels are being connected to what we're doing. So if we don't know how they work, we can't work with them. And if they don't, if we don't work with, if we don't work in the way the Lord appointed them to work, they're not going to work with us. And the 2300 days literally is teaching us how the angels work in the sanctuary and how we are to work on earth. How Christ is working and his, and his angels and how we're to work at being his ministers at the same time. Yes, and not to grieve the spirit. Okay, so last portion now, government of God, another revelation. And it's a nice thought that the Lord brought in. Um, this is another example from the court to the holy to the most holy, and I pray that we all follow. This, this is all, this principle is important for when we start really going into the 2300 days. The Lord has a lot to show from it, and, and, and he's, he's walking, in us, walking us up step by step because he really wants on us to understand it. He's not trying to leave anybody behind. And all I'm doing is bringing some witnesses together to prove the point that there's, there's one revelation, a spiritual revelation, and a most spiritual revelation. And, and all three of these revelations are going to be understood in order to enter into the experience of the judgment of the living. That's where we're going. If they have to be most spiritual to enter into the explanation for the judgment of the dead, then we're going to have to be most spiritual to enter into the explanation of the judgment of the living. It's not going to be any different. We're going to have to be spiritual-minded people that understands that the natural teaches the spiritual. Amen? You have the heavens where the birds fly, you have the heavens where the sun and the moon and the stars are, and you have the heavens where God dwells. The Lord appointed these things to teach us spiritual things. The heavens where the birds fly is to teach us something spiritual. The heavens where the sun and the moons and the stars are is to teach us something spiritual. And the heaven where God dwells is to teach us something spiritual. We can't see the heavens where God dwells. But what can every living person see? The sun, moon, and stars. So what does that mean? Someone is going to have to come from heaven to teach us what we can't see with the natural eye. Nobody has ascended up to heaven except the Son of Man, which came down from heaven. And when we find the Messiah, we found the one that's going to explain to us the things that's freely given to us that's in heaven. Amen. Amen? That's what we have found. Christ is literally explaining to us the world we cannot see. Everyone can see sun, moon, and stars because everyone have the Old and the New Testament. So we can see the Old 
and we can see the New Testament, the sun, moon, and stars. That's the heaven. The old is the court, and the New Testament is, is the heavenly. That's where the sun, moon, and stars are. It's called the gospel light. And Revelation 12 shows that easily. The sun, moon, and stars. So everyone can see that, but the most holy place, only the most spiritual sees that revelation. Is everyone following? And the Lord's trying to make us most spiritual. We don't want to be left behind. So it says, And a cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that, let her be received in again. What is this teaching us? Many things. 2520 is one of them. The, praise God, the fall of humanity, that's the one I want to go to, that view, because that's a higher view, the fall of humanity. But this is the 2520. Amen. When, when, they, when, they, um, when Manasseh broke the covenant, defiled the sanctuary, and did what the law says not to do, the, the cloud departed, the, the glory departed, and what, they were out of the camp for how long? And on October 22nd, 1844, what did the Lord do? Brought them back in the camp, brought them back into the understanding of the sanctuary, and Christ is about to get the kingdom. That's what he did. And in 1798, he brought them back into the land. The first 2520 brought them back into the sanctuary and gave them a king. Same thing. That's what happened. But Rashad said, it's representing humanity. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the kingdom and the, and the ability to worship God. Both of them were taken from them. And, and this world was what? Shut out of the camp. What's the camp? All the other worlds. We're cut off from the other worlds. And this world and the other worlds can't go on until this world is what? Brought back in. Is everyone following? One view, another view, next view, third view. The Lord is teaching us the sin problem. We can't explain sin if we don't understand this problem. And, the, and the, this is why the government of the other world are interested in, in this planet. They can't move until the sons of God comes back in. Until this planet is healed, creation doesn't march on. But the Lord didn't stop creating because he's recreating man. Creation didn't stop. The Lord is all of heaven and the universe is employed in the salvation of man. That's what it is. The government, the government of heaven stopped moving. Let's get a second witness for this. Go ahead, Romario. That's nice because when, when, when it was said, um, son... Saying, Yo, you're running ahead. Oh, you have to, you're running okay. ahead. That's praise God. No, that's, praise God. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying. It's nice because then that saying then, all the hosts stopped. Hosts have to stop and Amen. For Earth to come so in. That, yes, so that Earth can win the win battle. This fight against Amen. Sin. Amen. And when you win, the sun goes on, the moon goes Amen. on, and then Earth goes on. It's Amen. Nice. We that's are living nice. in the time when the government of heaven is going to move on. When Christ gets the kingdom, the government of heaven is moving on. He's just coming to do away with sin. So the government of heaven, after the thousand years of rest, when we go in there and refresh with the sons of God and God in heaven, at the end of the thousand years, the government of heaven rolls on. But it rolls on with destroying the wicked so we can move on perfectly. 
Is everyone fun? That's that, praise God. The Bible is just a beautiful book. It's really a beautiful book. But let's read Joshua, like Romario said. But I don't want to miss this part up, but I love this part. Notice verse 12 up there. It says, Let her not be as one dead of, of whom the flesh is half consumed. Some somehow, some being in heaven went to Christ and said, Christ, don't destroy this planet. Is everyone following? Amen. Lord, Lord, restore them. And then Christ, what did he do? Christ is Moses. And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, heal her now, O God. Christ went to the Father and said, Father, heal this planet. Heal this planet, O God. Don't cut them off from you. And then, Christ, and then what did the Father say? They're going to be shut out of the camp for 7,000 years. Yep. That's what the Father said. Amen. They're going to be shut out. Shall they? They... Um, if a father spit in their face, they're shut out. So this planet is shut out. Man, we don't understand the wrath of God as much as the love of God and as the wrath of God. This, man, his wrath would have fell on us had Christ not gone to the Father and said, Father, heal them. But it also shows that other beings was interested in us being healed as well. They didn't want to see us because that's the love of God. They didn't want to see us. Now go to Joshua. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in a date. Now look, all of this is not naturally written. It's spiritually written. Those who see these things, the whole, if it appeals to your reason, this is how you know it's true. It, it makes sense. It's not destroying anything. It makes sense. That's what it does. The Lord appointed the earthly thing to teach us the things that spiritually make sense. And we don't want to crucify our spiritual common sense. That's what the Jews did after 31 or 34. They had a natural common sense. Jesus naturally came to them and worked naturally the things they can see with their eyes. Well, they crucified their natural common sense, so therefore they couldn't have any spiritual common sense. But the Lord didn't shut them away. He went back to them to give them another opportunity to heal their natural common sense so they can, so they can see things spiritually. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost their spiritual common sense. But praise God, they didn't lose their natural common sense. Their, common, their natural common sense was there. So God was still able to communicate to them by using their natural common sense to heal their spiritual common sense. And when our spiritual common sense is healed, we're going to be a most spiritual people Amen. that understand the deep things of God because our spiritual common sense is healed. That's, this is what the 2300 days is designed to cleanse, our spiritual common sense. It heals us naturally, but it's most important when it heals us spiritually. And then we can enter into that experience. The Lord really wants us to enter into a very high spiritual experience. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what the Lord is trying to revive, true spiritual worship, which is based upon an understanding of spiritual things. Joshua, then spake Joshua to the Lord in a day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, this is what remember, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. This is, he sh you shall bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. He's, this is the avenging. That's what it's talking about. It says, is not this written in the book of, of Jeshur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a what? A whole day. What's the day? The day of salvation. The day of atonement. The, amen. Hasted not. Yes, it's going to stand still there too. Amen. That God is going to, Christ is going to, my blood, my. So all throughout time, Christ has been pleading to the Father, let stand still. 
Let the government stand still, stand still, stand still until we've avenged ourselves. But the last standing still, judgment of the living. This is the last time heaven will stand still to save man. The last time it's going to stand still to save us from our sin. The day is the day of, the, of gospel light, the day of salvation, the day of probation, and this is drawn to its close. The shadows of the evening are already upon us, and the evening and the morning was the what? First day. First day. And I just wanted to close out. This, I don't know where I put the marker, but it's all right. Um, I'm going to just illustrate this point for right now. You have Eden, and then you have 31 AD, and then you have the yeah, um, second coming. Yeah, I'll just put the second coming. The second coming. You have the old, and then you have the new. And this was the evening, and this is the morning. And this is just one day, the day of salvation. And right here, this is the last time that the moon and the sun will stand still to save man. The moon and the sun is explaining the plan of salvation to save man. And this is the last time that it will stand still in the, la in the day of atonement, as Rashad said, that it will, Christ will hold the explanation of the gospel to save man this one last time. And if man don't accept it before, just like that light, if they don't accept it by that time, it, it, yeah, it goes out. And the government of heaven, what? rolls on. What's the sign of the government of heaven roll on? And at that time shall Michael stand up. Light again. Light, amen. <laughs> the government rolls on. Why? Because the earth is restored. Man is restored. The sanctuary is cleansed. Only one more work for the government of heaven to do to destroy all the wicked and to recreate this world uh, anew all over again. So um, we'll stop here. Um, as as I, the last quote we can read on our own, a few quotes where she talks about the most the most spiritual and uh, and and so forth. And I was only introducing this because we're teaching the 2300 days, and it says on to 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And at the end of the 2300 days for the Millerites, they went into the judgment of to cleanse. Christ began his work of the judgment of the dead. So what are we getting ready to start? The judgment of the living. So if they were most spiritual, if they needed to be the most spiritual people to enter into that experience of the judgment of the dead, then the Lord needs to make us the most spiritual people to enter into that of the judgment of the living. But praise God, when he makes us most spiritual, we're not going to be so high that we can't reach those that are so low. Because the most spiritual one, God, became a man to reach man that was so low. So the Lord is preparing us to teach this message in a low, high, and very high way to reach all classes of people, to reach the most spiritual-minded, the very spiritual-minded, and the base or carnal-minded. The Lord is really equipping us to, to, to do that kind of work where we can stretch our hand to the one that's, even if he's in hell, God is there. And the one that's up there in the church, God is there. And the one that's, that's in heavenly places, God is also there. So by the grace of God, may he continue to help us to explain these truths whereby we can reach those. So if we think that we don't understand these things, the best thing to do is if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And the last quote, I just want to read this last one for, for, the, for the, what I just said. Just go all the way to the bottom. And it says this. I'm going to be talking about this quote for some time because I really like this. It says, Captain Bates, what is the news? Elder Bates replied, the news is that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord our God. Well, said the man, I will go home and what? Read my Bible and see about that. That's what we're supposed to do. Go home and read our Bible and see about that. Amen? So let us close out with a word. Heavenly Father,
Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for the Sabbath, and we want to thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand these truths, for helping us to understand what it means that we found the Messiah, O Lord, as you are explaining to us the spiritual things, because this is life eternal, O Lord, that we might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And Lord, we thank you for these things. Help us, O Lord, not to run ahead of anyone, but to do everything we can to help others to, to climb these ladders of revelation as you're helping us to climb these ladders gently and patiently, O Lord. I pray and ask that you continue to give us the explanation that will sweep away all the rubbish and the darkness and the, and the shavings and, and, and all the wrong explanations that hide the true view from the true light from view. So please continue to help us in this. Help us to continue to have a blessed Sabbath and to be a blessing to each other. Please forgive us of our sins. May you create in us a clean heart. Every no right spirit within us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.